Hello, you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. This will be an overview of the 2016 Academy Award nominations. We're going to look at a handful of categories that are being judged during the upcoming Oscars ceremony on February 28th at 4 p.m. Eugene time. My name is Emerson Malone. I am a writer for the Emerald. With me here in the studio is uh, Chris Berg. I am also a writer for the Emerald. I'm Jordan Brown, also a arts and culture writer for the Emerald. I'm Craig Wright, also a writer for the Emerald. And we're all equally qualified and super excited to talk about what is nominated for Best Live Action Short Film. Amen. Yes, we all absolutely have (laughs) very experienced opinions on this category. I'm sure all of us know exactly who we want to win this category. Right. I think we've all seen all of the live action short films. I have definitely seen every one of these multiple times, in fact. I consider myself an expert. A good theme for this podcast is bet on what we tell you to bet on. Exactly. If you have any money, if after you've spent all of it on lottery tickets, take those winnings, put it towards the best short film live action category, because... I, I mean, I think we got it. We nailed it. I give it one to three odds it's Ave Maria. I mean, I'd say one to two odds it's definitely Ave Maria. I don't know. Looking at the list, it looks like everything will be okay is pretty high up there for me. Bold. I mean, bold bold decision. That one does have the most words in the title, which I think is an advantage. It's the underdog. It might have an upper hand yeah. with that long title. Exactly. I'm going to second Jordan on this one because it's most closely related to Weezer's Everything Will Be Alright in the end. Mm-hmm. And cool. We, well, yeah. we're a minute and a half in. You already referenced Weezer. So yeah. we did it, guys. <laughs> and new album's out. Hey, come on. Rele- or date released, whatever. Tour. Um, I just want to pose a question to the room. When the nominations were released, was it yesterday morning? It was yesterday morning. I know this because I made the mistake of watching them live. I woke up at 5.20 a.m. Made the mistake of waking up at 5.20 a.m. to (laughs) watch them live. To watch just 15 minutes of people reading some names, and then I went right back to sleep. People being Angley and John Krasinski? And, And Guillermo del Toro was also there. Funny, because he is not known for his ability to pronounce words correctly, so that's not the person you want reading out names. You're setting this up for failure. When, in this, like, 5.30 a.m. haze, was there anything that caught you off guard with these nominations? Uh, Again, having just woken up, I was kind of cool with everything. I was like, okay, I didn't have deep opinions. Like, we'll get to what I think has been, you know shamefully left out of this category but in the moment i was like this is cool then i went back to sleep and had weird nightmares weirdly enough like getting up at 520 and then going right back to sleep after 10 minutes of oscar talk does that to you was guillermo del toro in your nightmare <laughs> he was not involved he might have directed it because like there were there were some strange beasts some majestic creatures at least one kaiju um i would say there aren't a lot of surprises here, but we're talking about the Academy Awards, which is basically a celebration of consensus and what a lot of people agree on. So it's a good way of putting it. The, the only thing I'm really surprised by is what isn't nominated in some of these categories. Like, do we want to get right into it? Sure. What do you think was left out? Okay. So I think the number one thing that kind of, I will not say enraged, but I'll just go ahead and say enraged me is the lack of uh, creed on most of these categories besides Best Supporting Actor. And Sylvester Stallone got the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor? Yeah, he, yeah, he took him the Globe, So, and it's looking like it's kind of his to lose, which is, he's the part of that movie most people came away talking from, but I think that's a bummer because that movie is stunningly directed. Michael B. Jordan, you know, has a fantastic performance, like everything, it should be in way more categories than it is. 
Did you guys see Creed? I did. I did not, but I know enough about it to know that I was pretty upset when I woke up and it wasn't on the list. Mm. There was just a complete lack of, I think, diversity in terms of the list, which I think is going to get a lot of bad feedback for the Academy again this year. I felt like Creed was a very high contender, and I was pretty upset that it wasn't recognized enough. Yeah, this is sort of the second year. Uh, last year, someone came up with the term hashtag Oscars so white, and that sort of became a rallying cry because, and this year again, most if not all the major character uh, categories have zero minority nominees, and I think it is kind of disappointing that we can say like, oh man, you know, the entire African-American community was just rallying on one movie to get nominated. Now there's nothing. So it's definitely a bummer. Like, and it's too fun. Like, I think that movie is fantastic on an every artistic merit should be on these lists. But at the same time, it's like, man, this really speaks to the state of Hollywood that you look through this list. And then it's like, oh, yeah, there's not not a lot of minority stories being told here. Yeah, it's pretty much a white American crowd that we're looking at outside of Alejandro Gonzalez and Yuri 2 for mm-hmm. The Revenant. But yeah, Michael B. Jordan was not recognized. But I mean, if you look at the best actor category, that's some pretty heavy weights that he's going it, up against. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a tight category. Let's Since we just touched on it, let's just start with supporting actor. Um, so Stallone is in there, as we said, and he is up against... Someone else want to read this? Um, he's up against Christian Bale, Tom Hardy... Mark Ruffalo and Mark Rylance. Yeah. For the big short, The Revenant, Spotlight, and Bridge of Spies. Yeah. Um, these all look good to me. <laughs> I I will go ahead and say that while Stallone is like probably the house favorite to win this category, uh, Mark Ruffalo in Spotlight is probably the one performance from that movie I would pull out and say is truly exceptional. Right. Like... It, Spotlight is a really well-told film. It's the story of the Boston Globe and them uncovering the uh, molestation scandal that was across the Catholic Church. It's fantastically well-told, a lot of solid performances, but his is the one you can really pull out and say, like, okay, this is, you know, worth worth noting and worth commending. So I'd, I'd love for him to see it, but, yeah, Sylvester Store alone is kind of the character of this whole, you know, category. It's interesting that uh, Hardy was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for The Revenant and not Mad Max. Mm. But would, would you call him a supporting character in Mad Max? I'm saying, like, instead of Best Actor for Mad Max. Mm. But I well, guess maybe I haven't seen The Revenant, and Craig's probably about to just skewer it. But Actually, no. I maybe, thought Tom Hardy was a, he was the best part of The Revenant. Okay. Are you opinion. insane? I imagine he I liked him a lot. M- might have had more to do in The Revenant than he did in Mad Max outside of chiseling away a... Well, steel plate mask on his face you're not exactly right like his his role in the revenant is pretty much just guy who is evil and is has a beard like there's not much not much nuanced acting for tom hardy in that movie he gets mad and stabs people a lot did any of you see bridge of spies I no. did not. Yeah, me either. <laughs> Which is weird because it was written by the Coens. Like you, it was written by like the Coens. Everywhere. Directed by Spielberg. Yeah, and yeah. I somehow missed well. it. Well, and Tom Hanks is like the main actor in it, and he is a fantastic actor. And I've been trying to go and see it, but it's just it's not really available really anywhere near us. So mm. I feel like most of the best picture movies, like I just didn't know they were out. 
they mm-hmm. they just kind of slipped under the radar. I, they, except for like the Big Short, Mad Max, Martian, and The Revenant. Mm. But the, the big other, action movies. The other ones, like a few of these, I never saw them in theaters, like even Showtimes. So. Right. I mean, there was a trend a few years back where the sort of indie movie that nobody knew about 12 months prior sort of snuck in at the last minute and won Best Picture. I could mm-hmm. say, like, The Artist is an example of mm-hmm. that. Um, we all knew that, like, The Martian and Mad Max were happening. Pretty sure we knew about The Revenant last year. <laughs> but Room, Brooklyn, um, even Big Short, I can't say I knew too much about last year. Well, yeah, I mean, usually when you see a trailer come out, you can you can tell if it's going to be up for an Oscar. Like with The Revenant, I knew this was Leo's, like, another chance to get in there. But I was kind of surprised with Room. I wasn't sure that it would garner as much attention. I read the book, and I really enjoyed it. Um, it's actually told from the perspective of the child. Um, but I was I was pretty impressed that it made it on the list because I, I wasn't sure how people would... What's it about? I have not seen it. Yeah, so Room is the story of a woman and her child. Uh, The woman was captured at age 17 and for seven years uh, is lived in the shed of her captor. And uh, around two years in, she has a child. And that kid has only ever seen the inside of this, you know, maybe 10 foot by 10 foot shed that, you know, they have a bed, Mm -hmm. a closet. It's a very intense drama, like probably the most emotionally captivating thing I've seen all year. That is a movie that will turn you, no matter how hardened or cold-hearted, just into a mess of a person. Like, it will crush you in ways you did not think possible. Yeah, it's it's beautifully shot. Uh, both uh, Brie Larson and uh, Jacob Tremblay, if I'm pronouncing his last name right, give incredible performances. Frankly, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't sneak a Best Supporting or even Best Actor mm-hmm. nomination, because even though he's like five or six... Like, one of the best performances of the year just knocks you cold. Well, and that's a tough role to play, too, as a, a kid who basically has a a complete lack of understanding of what the world is besides this 10-foot by 10-foot room, mm-hmm. his home. Like, he literally doesn't know anything about anything. He just call, he says hi to everything in the morning, like, hi, sink, hi, door, hi, you know. And then every now and then they'll be able to see the skylight, and he doesn't even realize that this is an unnatural way to live until they get out and it's like this big yeah. crazy dramatic escape the the escape sequence is just paralyzing to some extent like seeing that unfold you know it's harrowing because you know you spend so long in this tiny room and you know they kind of have one shot to escape and when you see it it's like Jesus, going from the tone of this movie, this could go ten different ways. Mm-hmm. The best thing you'll see all year, regardless if you see it, if you saw it last year or this year, it's probably the best thing you'll see in a long, long time. Uh, anybody know anything about Brooklyn? Um, I watched some short clips from it the other day because, again, it's one of those movies that isn't really, for some reason, playing in a lot of major theaters around here. I was only able to find it at the Bijou, which is just our small mm-hmm. theater. For those of you who don't know, and but it looked it looked really powerful and i was surprised like a romance based movie kind of got up there i feel like it's more reserved for action or dramas but um she gives a really good performance and her irish accent is pretty good so 
Yeah, it does seem like the most subtle movie on this list. Like, it's a very nuanced kind of period drama. I have not seen it myself, but everything does just look like it's a basic story but told very well. So it, it, it doesn't seem like the sort of thing that would win in this category, but it's the sort of prestige picture that the Oscars, you know, can sometimes look past. So it's good that it is on this list. I also think it's very interesting that, you know, right now we're just looking at the Oscars website and that, you know, very calm poster of Brooklyn right next to Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> yeah, Furiosa just pointing a pistol. Yeah. <laughs> just giving the meanest look. Just cold. Um, What are you guys going to do if Mad Max wins when Mad Max wins? <laughs> I, I just fill my face full of spray paint, I guess. Just <laughs> I think I'm just going to spray chrome spray paint in my mouth. And... Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably watch it for the eighth time. Oh, my yeah. God. So how do we like Mad Max's chances overall? Like, do we do we honestly think that's going to pull out a Best Picture win? No, it's not going I to. I would love it to. It should yeah. win. It's... I I think it's it has a better chance than I would have ever thought, but it's I think it's more likely that Miller will pick up a director nom he and better. then someone else, sorry, a director win, and then someone else will, you know, take home the important trophy. Uh, yeah, I, I have a bad feeling The Revenant's going to win Best Picture. It shouldn't <laughs> win. Feeling. I'm alone in this. Everyone else seems to love it. I still am pissed off that Birdman won Best Picture last year. But You, you're, you mean you're, you're angry that the best movie of last year won Best Picture? Really? It wasn't the best movie. Well, it was, but, you know. No. If you, wanna be, if you just want to be wrong, that's, that's fine. That's your style. It's entirely possible that this will be the second year in a row that Inuritu's movie will snag Best Picture and he will... Did he get Best Director for Birdman? He did, yeah. He did, yes. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say it's a shoe-in because I would say Spotlight is a strong contender. Yeah. Spotlight has been the one that's had the that's had the front-runner buzz for the longest amount of time. It seems like since mid-September, everyone's saying, like, yeah, it's Spotlight's award to lose. And I, I see why. Again, it's very powerful. It's a very well-told, you know, story about journalism Faith, uh, really solid ensemble cast, but you know it isn't quite as flashy as something like The Revenant or Mad Max that you look at and you know every bit of the director's you know mind is on the screen. It doesn't have these big epic vistas or these huge sequences. It's just a really well put together film. The Martian doesn't fit in Best Picture category. IMO. I, I think Creed should have been in over The Martian. I yeah. love The Martian, but it was just a fun movie. Martian was good, but since yeah. the Oscars was like, oh, we can actually allow up to 10 nominees, it's kind of like buffering it with not movies that don't really need to be there. I do find it interesting that, you know, looking at this list, it seems like more than ever it's populist films. Because most of the year, the stereotype with the Oscars is like, oh, the best movies of the year are the ones that no one saw because they came out in two theaters and no one's heard of. But yeah, on here, Mad Max, The Martian, The Revenant, all, you know, kind of big movies that, you know, had huge releases. I think The Martian is probably the weakest or second weakest of this field. It's it's good. It's well told. But I am kind of surprised it has been elevated to this height. Yeah. Which is not to take away from it. I really enjoyed The Martian. Mm -hmm. I thought the book by Andy Weir was super good. It's about a... Um, astronaut by the name of Matt Damon who gets uh, stuck on Mars and he has to, Matt Damon is a botanist mm -hmm. so he grows potatoes with Martian soil 
and he has to figure out how to survive on Mars. And Spoiler then, alert. And then Tom Hanks has to <laughs> assemble sort of a ragtag group of soldiers, and they have to go all the way across Europe, and they keep finding different Private Ryans. <laughs> but they never checked Mars. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Everyone knows that famous World War II ba- battle, the Battle of Mars. <laughs> the Martian is a good movie. I didn't think Ridley Scott's adaptation was quite as good as the book. Um, it's, I mean, I made this point uh, recently, but we're talking about a movie where it's one person stuck on Mars, which is a desert planet, and we never really see the full scale of his isolation. There's never a moment where the camera really pulls back and you see, oh, he's just stuck out there in this expansive mm-hmm. hellscape, basically. Because it kind of kept, like, it was, like, it was like really light. It was, like, really humorous a lot of the time. But it didn't really balance it with any devastating degree of, you know. Yeah, because didn't it win for comedy at the Golden Globes? Yeah. And Which that's... I thought was interesting, just as the whole premise of the movie, I felt like it should be more of a like a desolate thing if i was stuck on mars i would not be laughing about it i would be pretty upset (laughs) it's it's definitely a comedy though in a lot of respects i i wouldn't know if i'd call it a comedy but that is kind of the nature of the golden globes since they do give out best picture comedy it's super common for studios to say we told two jokes in this let's go ahead and you know classify this as comedy because then it's an easy win was big short nominated big short was nominated as a comedy yeah I feel like that's more humorous than yeah that the big short i might say is the weakest of this field personally having not seen bridge of spies or brooklyn i can't you know state their quality but the big short while it's an effective so let me just give you the gist of the big short uh it's a insider's look at the 2008 housing crisis and essentially follows uh parallel stories of different investors uh, and stockbrokers that saw this coming and essentially profited off of it through some their own means. And it does its purpose. Like, it's a good way of explaining that story, how this economic collapse happened, and doing it in these very snappy, punchy, sort of modern ways. The way I almost thought of it, it's the film equivalent of, like, a Vox explainer. Like, it's talking about these dramatic things, but the second there's a term that's, you know, too complex, and this literally happens in the movie, it will pull away to Anthony Bourdain, and then he uses, like, a cooking metaphor to tell you how, you know, a bad bundle of stocks like, works. Which was all necessary. Like, it really it was, was. Like, how are you going to understand what a credit default swap is or a subprime mortgage without, yeah. like... Adam McKay is, like, I'm, I've come out of this here extremely proud of Adam McKay, as weird as that sounds, <laughs> because it's, like, not a linear move to go from directing Step Brothers and Talladega Nights Anchorman. to an Anchorman to The Big Short, which is easily his most commendable film, to break down this terrible, just reprehensible thing that happened that nobody really understood, but it still really disrupted and left a lot of Americans homeless that basically nobody really understood <laughs> what it meant. And I thought the movie like really just did an amazing job. Yeah. I, I think it's very good at explaining those concepts, but what really kind of sunk it for me is 
you know, it has this great all-star cast, Christian Bale, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt, but none of them really get a moment of, you know, they try and give them a good dramatic beat, but because Adam McKay is a comedy director, he almost keeps it too light for too long, so that in the end, when everything, you know, when it hits the fan, uh, that moment doesn't really stick, because everything has been so loose and flighty, you almost can't relate to these characters and feel them when they're suddenly, you know, put in this emotional strife. But I, that was intentional because I feel like these are characters who are just sort of gallivanting around like, oh, yeah, we're going to just exploit the American people and leave a lot of people homeless. <laughs> and they don't understand the implications or consequences of what they're doing. And so nobody's really a moral compass except for like Brad Pitt's character. Who was a doomsday prepper obsessed yeah. with seeds, which is scarily appropriate. Um, I really enjoyed that movie, and I'm really, really glad it's nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, none of none of those actors that we just mentioned really held screen time long enough to merit a Best Actor role, because it was like five supporting actors, really. Yeah. I, I believe they were pushing Steve Carell as the lead actor of that film, but I'm not surprised that he <laughs> lost up against uh, the rest of the category, which is uh, Brian Cranston for Trumbo, Matt Damon in The Martian, Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant, uh, Michael Fassbender in Steve Jobs, and Eddie Redmayne in The Danish Girl, which is a very a tight category. Mm-hmm. Y'all see Danish Girl? Uh, Me either. I... <laughs> <laughs> Again, another movie that is, for whatever reason, not in like mainstream theaters. I really am really hoping that this is leo's year because that guy has gone through some some stuff to get here and i'm i'm a little worried that if he doesn't get it then he's just gonna stop making movies and i really enjoy his movies which i think the opposite i think if he doesn't get it he's gonna keep reaching for these bombastic (laughs) outrageous roles and keep doing incredible jobs but part of me wants fassbender to get it um probably a lot of that is spite against DiCaprio just to see him not get it again <laughs> and also the desire to see him take on more outrageous roles and also because Fassbender is pretty good at jobs. Yeah. The best part about that if Michael Fassbender did win Leonardo DiCaprio walked away from that movie to do The Revenant oh. <laughs> so if Fassbender won that'd be fantastic and if he did go for crazier roles so DiCaprio has said what his next project is going to be he's just getting back with Martin Scorsese for a movie called uh, Devil in the White City right. about, yeah. America's, about America's first serial killer so I think if he loses he's going to start killing people for method acting <laughs> um, yeah I, oh wow! Did you read about that on Reddit as well? I saw the same headline as you did. Yeah. Okay. Did you read the comment where it describes the real person's like murder castle? This is being directed I, by I Martin Scorsese, and it's like different soundproof torture rooms, and it's like there are like blow torches on the walls, and just like super gnarly details. And it sounds whack, but I would love to see DiCaprio do that, and. What fun is it if he gets it? I mean, don't you want to see him strive to get oh. it, like, next year and the year after that? Like, that would be hysterical. But yeah. he's just, uh, even from, like, I Gilbert I also haven't Grape, seen The Revenant still. So. I, I haven't either, but I feel like that's that's kind of why I'm torn, too, is because I really, I really feel like the other person I would want to get it is Eddie Redmayne because that is such a specific, tough role to play about, um, like, the first transgender operation and, like, the nine or not 19 um like 18 i believe like 50s in denmark that's like such a specific role to play and he does it like really beautifully and like with a lot of grace and i just 
uh, I'm I'm so torn because I really want Leo to get it mostly because I can't even imagine the internet memes that would go up about him afterwards if he didn't but I mean but I also I really hope that Eddie gets it too I I personally think DiCaprio will. This is probably going to be his year because I was re- so sure after it, Wolf of Wall Street. Me that too. Was his year. Me too. After he goes through some stuff in The Revenant, like apparently he almost suffered hypothermia. He ate raw bear liver. Like, I mean, he, he went through some stuff in Wolf though too. I mean, I don't know how much scene. <laughs> I don't know how many quaaludes Leonardo DiCaprio actually took, but. <laughs> I I'm that is where going back to this podcast true purpose of telling you the betting odds put your money on Leonardo DiCaprio if you Fair. want a small but solid return yeah I agree I, to me it just kind of feels like this is gonna be the shoulder shrug you're like should Leo get it like eh why not he, he's waited long enough yeah that or he'll just stay the joke of Hollywood and mm-hmm. We'll all suffer. <laughs> I like how we're talking about that Leonardo. outcome is infinitely more funny. Yeah. Like, you cannot deny that. It I is. do like how we're talking about Leonardo DiCaprio as if he is the bullied school child of the playground. <laughs> He's mean, just a commodity for Hollywood. Yeah. Like, we're just like, is it easier? No. Well, it's such a tease. The Academy puts him on there like every year and he takes these crazy roles and he's like, I'm finally going to get it. And then they just like look away and pass it off to somebody else and just probably hurts him inside every year had he won a golden globe before this year oh yeah i believe i believe so i i want to say he won for wall street i might be entirely wrong about that i'm pretty sure he won for wall street look it up internet we have we have our intern in the corner look it up brayden look (laughs) it up (laughs) look it up brayden look it up our intern in the corner (laughs) um Let's keep talking about this. Yeah, I was just dead air. Was Howard Hughes in the Aviator? Was he nominated for that? Because that was amazing. I know he's nominated. Yeah. Why don't we discuss actress in a leading role? Yeah. Uh, so in here we have Kate Blanchett for Carol, Brie Larson for Room, Jennifer Lawrence in Joy, Charlotte Ramping in Forty Five Years, and Cersei Ronan in Brooklyn. Brie Larson, if I can speak more great things about Room, you know. <laughs> She carries so much of that movie, apparently actually locked herself in a shed for a month to prepare for this role. Like she's, you know, handles it with a nuance and a respect that you just, you know, it's the sort of thing that you can't you can't deny. Like no one else on this list gets close. Uh, I don't honestly I'm not sure why Jennifer Lawrence was Mm. nominated this year. Okay, Chris, we need to take a quick time out. Our fact checker is back. This is Brayden. This is your fact checking monkey, Brayden. Leonardo DiCaprio, 2014 Golden Globe winner for Best Actor. Wonderful. For Wolf of Wall Street. Thank you. For Wolf of Wall Street. Good, good. Affirmed. Okay, good. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Brayden. corner now. Intern corner. (laughs) Yeah, I I was surprised to see Jennifer Lawrence on this list just because I feel like she went I, w- I feel like they went into Joy being like, we're going to do another movie with Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper. And it's going to be an- Yeah, and it's going to be another Yawn. success. And I'm just kind of, I'm kind of done. I feel like they're all the general, generally same sentiment. And she, I mean, I feel like they probably feel as though the movie was totally snubbed, but I felt like she got kind of a... The other two, uh, did she receive them for 
Silver Linings Playbook and American mm-hmm. Hustle. She she yeah. won for Silver Linings and was nominated for Hustle, even though she was in that movie for all of ten minutes. She's quickly becoming like the younger version of. Oh, this was a bad metaphor for me to go to when I can't remember this actress's name. Who's that? Uh, the older one who was in The Iron Lady, uh, Meryl, Meryl Streep. Streep. Yeah, she's becoming young Meryl Streep, where she'll I just be nominated for showing up. Anybody see Joy? I did see Joy. You don't need to see Joy. I was going to say, yeah. I've heard it was not worth the money. Yeah, IMO, David O. Russell's career has been pretty spotty. Like, he's maybe made two or three good movies. I I am a pretty big David O. Russell stan. Like, I, I enjoy his films. I I saw American Hustle. I really like Silver Linings Playbook. Mm-hmm. I really like uh, The Fighter. Like, he's done some fantastic stuff. But Joy does seem like he took it sort of one too far. Like, the pacing of that movie is... All over the place. This is a movie about mops. This is a movie about the creator of the Miracle Mop, which is the first home shopping product in America. And the the story is every bit as riveting as it sounds. She invents a mop and has a wacky family. And it's that for about two hours. Sounds like a bad sitcom. True. <laughs> she made the cleaning supplies. Now check out her kooky uncle. And like, no one yeah. respects her. Yeah, da 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 da. This makes me think <laughs> of uh, there was a movie that came out a few years ago called Flash of Genius that I never saw, but it was about like the guy who invented windshield wipers. <gasps> yes, I, I remember seeing a scene from yes. that movie, and, like which sounds a like the Conan episode from this movie. But it's like, okay, I guess you could get nominated for best actress for. I guess. The mop. Well, and this whole movie was (laughs) just how I will henceforth refer to Joy. (laughs) The mop movie. (laughs) The whole movie was just confused, even from the previews. When the previews first came out, it just seemed like I—I mean, I had no idea that it was about the creator of the Miracle Mop. I had no idea, and it just seemed like she was going to be like this badass chick. And then, I mean, maybe she is, but I don't. She goes on to invent the home Strange. shopping network. Like, that is the end of Joy. Spoiler alert. Spoiler oh. Thanks, to a real story. Wow. <laughs> Spoiler to a true wow. story. Wow. Spoiler alert to that woman's life. It's like um, that movie Valkyrie with Tom Cruise. It's like, spoiler alert, he doesn't actually kill Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) Or like the spoiler to Lone Survivor. It's like, guess how that one ends. Just guess how many of these people survive. (laughs) Guess which one it is. Mark Wahlberg or the others. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, 45 years. Anybody? I heard about that movie when they nominated it for an Oscar. I'm not going to lie. I've seen none of these movies for actress in the lead. I haven't seen Carol either, but I heard that... From it, like everything I've read and everything like that, it feels like it was a major snub. That movie it was like supposed to, that, it was projected to get a lot more. That is one of the ones I was hearing a long time out as a best picture front runner. Mm-hmm. That apparently all of that momentum has fallen off outside the acting categories. Yeah, another one that I think a lot of people were surprised got so little love. Uh, the Hateful Eight, uh, Tarantino's latest, just didn't really seem to resonate with. Much of anyone, really. I've heard well, nothing good about it I, yet. I believe, like, Ennio Morricone was nominated for Best Original Score. Best Score, yeah. and Jennifer Jason Lee got a supporting actress, which she earns. She's the one thing in that movie that's worth seeing. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, it didn't even get a screenplay nomination, which is usually Tarantino's bread and butter. Um, let's go to actress in a supporting role. Hmm. Jennifer Jason Lee, as we said. Um, Chris, anybody else see Hateful Eight? No. No. I, I saw it in 70 millimeter, which means it had an intermission, it had an overture, and the movie was also six minutes longer. And that movie is also way longer than it needs to be. So that was just sort of a very 
long, drawn-out experience of Tarantino doing a one-room drama that is all his snappy dialogue and witticisms. And it's it does the job. It's fun. It's enjoyable. But, uh, you know, yeah. very forgettable. I've heard it's just felt like a representation of what he used to be good at. Like, that's what I keep reading. Like, oh, Sorry. you know, he's it's very violent. He's done that before. Yeah. It's just kind of like that from what I've heard. I have no interest in seeing it. It's, so. it's very derivative. Yeah. It, were, you, were you at the showing that Quentin Tarantino showed up at? I, I was not. Mm-hmm. And I... Wow. I don't kick myself every wow, day Chris. for it, but how <laughs> dare I? How dare I show up to the wrong Chance one? Chance of a lifetime yeah. missed. How dare Quintino not go to a movie theater on Christmas Day like a crazy person? Uh, yeah, so actress in supporting role... Uh, we also have Rooney Mara for Carol, uh, Rachel McAdams in Spotlight. Wait, is Carol the one about um, Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara in a sort of lesbian relationship? Yes. Yes, it is. Correct. What else is going on? I have no idea. Is it because it's like the 50s? Probably. That, I imagine that's why it's a movie. I feel like I saw it on Tumblr, like all these like advertisements for it for like a long time, which... I don't really know. I feel like if you have to put it on Tumblr, it means it's not getting as much attention as it maybe should be. But I saw a bunch of stuff about it, and I think it's just like they have a very complicated relationship or something strange like that. I I didn't really understand the premise of it. Yeah, yeah. In this category, we also have Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl. Uh, yeah. So I was surprised she was nominated for The Danish Girl because she was also in Ex Machina this year mm. as sort of the robot. Oh wow, she was uh, Ava. She was Ava. Yeah, Whoa. and I think that's a sort of far more memorable performance because she she carries that entire film and you know has these long monologues about the you know notion of humanity and all these kind of really deep, wow. interesting questions. And again, maybe not fair to compare since I again have not seen the Danish Girl, but it seems this is one of those rare cases where it's like she deserves it, but maybe not for that movie. Like, fair. I imagine if she gets the trophy, she'll just like scrape off the Danish Girl <laughs> and just write in Ex Machina in Sharpie. Am just, I the only one who is underwhelmed by Ex Machina? I didn't adore it, but she's a very good part of it. Okay, I, I couldn't stand the main two actors, Oscar Isaac and. Domhnall Gleeson. Domhnall Gleeson. Is it weird I didn't know until like 10, not 10 minutes ago, like an hour ago, that he was Brendan Gleeson's kid? I didn't know that. Yeah. Fun fact. Now now you seem like the smart one in the room. (laughs) So (laughs) funny how that works. I thought I was the last of the party on this information. Yeah. And then finally. Now I am. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Brendan's on his phone, so he might have missed all of that. Yeah. (laughs) And then finally, the person who will probably win this, Kate Winslet and Steve Jobs. Yeah. I hope she gets it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a... As Steve Jobs' Croatian assistant. Yeah. Super high-wired. As the thing that Michael Fassbender acts against in a Aaron Sorkin script. Yeah. It was really like Fassbender as Jobs sort of just like pushing everybody else out of the way. And she's like the only one who can really like give him a run for his yeah. money as far as yeah. like a power play. Their back and forth are really fun and like the, you know, a really great part of that film. That's awesome. Also, another uh, screenplay snub. Steve Jobs got no, nothing. Really? Yeah. Well, I think we're missing a big snub in the best supporting actress role, the bear from the Revenant. Oh lord! I mean, it was, was it a girl. Say, 
It was a mama bear. You don't cross oh. between a mama bear and her cubs. That, that makes sense. That, that bear sense. was on screen for about eight minutes. Wow, that's longer than like it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, In American most Hustle. of our movies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Chris, you were talking about people who have won awards for that bear did so much more than Jennifer Lawrence did last year. Yeah, I mean, it changed Leo's life. Yeah. I mean, if he wins, it's because of the mama bear. So how's that? But Beatrice Strait I should really share the award if he gets it. Then <laughs> I know, but Beatrice Strait and Network, which you guys might have seen. No. What no. is that? Network 19. Whatever Aaron Sorkin's earliest. I have not seen it, but I still know that. Wait, no. It's network network wasn't Aaron Sorkin. Was it not? No, it was. Uh, I did a project on this last term. It was a whole term long. I should know wow. the director. Anywho, she was on screen for five and a half minutes. Sydney Lumet? Yeah, Sydney Lumet. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, written by Patty Chayefsky. Um, she was on screen for five minutes and 26 seconds, I think, and she won Best Actress for it. So wow. It is possible. The bear's on screen longer than she was, and <laughs> the bear was convincing. It's like she had one job to do. She ripped Leo to shreds, bit him a few times. I mean, they fought for way too long, and mm. it got boring because she was how, doing again, her job so again, well. How hilarious would it be if a bear got an Oscar I was just, before yeah. Leo? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leo's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> on the topic of a sure. bear winning an Oscar, this is an idea I've actually had for a while. There oh, should no. be a separate category. <laughs> the answer is not best bear. Best but that would be a bear. very niche category. Yeah. <laughs> like best, something like best CGI performance. Because think about it, oh, like okay. that bear. Be someone yeah, had okay. to animate that bear. Andy Circus would just get it every year, though. Yeah, because that could be taken a bunch of different ways. Like Gollum, like that's yeah, right. He'd or win it every time. Supreme True. leader. Yeah, like shouldn't Vin Diesel? Is that, is that what you're talking What's about? His name? The giant dude from Star yeah. Wars. Oh, Snoke? I don't know who he Snoke. was. Sure, that thing was weird. <laughs> that thing was weird. Yeah, he he sure sat in <laughs> that chair. hologram? Is he a giant? There's a plot hole. I didn't know. He yeah. sure sat in that chair good. That's probably yeah. worth an Oscar. <laughs> he looked mean. <laughs> He's uh, only in that movie for like three minutes. Like, yeah. yeah. It can happen. He could probably fight that bear and win. Are we all in agreement that Kate Winslet's probably going to get Best Supporting Actress? Yes. Probably. Oh, She's for a for phenomenal sure. actress. Yeah. We touched on Best Supporting Actor already. Mm-hmm. Let's go to screenplays. Yeah, we, we talked about this a bit. There are some interesting snubs and some movies I wouldn't have expected to come through uh, in that category. So, yeah, uh, Screenplay is split into adapted and original. It's also strange because some most of the originals are based off of true stories, which I've never fully hmm. understood. Uh, so, in original, we have Bridge of Spies, Ex Machina, Inside Out, Spotlight, and the one I was not expecting to get anything, but actually did land nomination straight out of Compton. Yeah. But straight up, I'm super glad that got nominated. Yeah, because in hindsight, that is a really, it's a solid screenplay, you yeah. know, telling these events and kind of weaving into one cohesive narrative. If I had one problem with straight out of Compton, and it was trying to portray the, you know, the each member of NWA, like Ice Cube and Snoop and... Well, Snoop wasn't in there, but Dre and, like, these other characters who were in there... Um, but it's also like across several years of time, so it's like trying to condense it into two and a half hours or whatever. It was a pretty long movie, but it was also like showing the most like quintessential parts that you would need to know, and it was very convenient. It's like, oh, here's Snoop and Dre, and he's just like noodling around the piano, and it's like, oh, they just made a hit song, like in that thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, I did get the, I did get the sense with Straight Outta Compton that probably right up until the end of the NWA tour is a good, that's a good cohesive, it's, it's good, it works, it's well-paced. After that, it feels like a best-of montage. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. well, here are the key parts of the story. Yeah. 
it's it's a, it's a tale that probably would have worked better if they just did an HBO series and mm-hmm. said, okay, split this into six hours, pace yourselves. Although what I kind of want them to do now is do the 90s rap cinematic universe and from this go as like, well, what's happening on the East Coast? And just, it's all in the straight out of Compton universe, but just different actors. Because they had their weird like Tupac and Snoop Dogg stand-ins that were very convincing. Yeah. They so didn't just, use the hologram? No, they did not use a hologram. They had a <laughs> real fake hire. They could use a missed opportunity. <laughs> do you remember like right after that hologram came out, there was that like... It was like three months. People were saying, "Oh man, holograms are going to go on tour. Commercial artists are out of oh, business." No. Yeah, and yet I still can't go see, like you know, hologram Elvis. Like that's not True. available to me. What act would you see a hologram concert of? Is um, there one? Uh, the Supreme Leader Snoke. <laughs> yeah. Is it too soon oh to God. say David Bowie? Jordan, did you see uh, Star yes. Wars? No. I'm actually not a big Star Wars fan. Hate me. Hate me. Everyone hates me when I say that. I just, I never got into it mostly because when I was younger, I didn't really understand why they were out of order. And then my parents were just not really that into it, except my my dad, but he would make me watch it. And then I just would be sad about it. But maybe I need to give it another chance because apparently it was like the best movie ever. So, Um, cool. So. I was not underwhelmed by Ex Machina, and I like Alex Garland, so I'm glad that was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. I thought it was very formulaic and beat by beat. Like you could tell, like the sequencing was kind of expected as it went along. But it was a good screenplay. I just don't think the actors were the the best choices personally. Because I, I, I think that Isaac was pretty pretty good. Which which one's he the bald? He's guy? the guy who was like the head of the company, and yeah. it was his home. He did that he, he great was, dance with yeah. the robot lady. Yeah. That's undeniable. You can't. Yeah. You can't say that wasn't. Amazing. No, there were. There were. No, it's. It's not that I didn't like Ex Machina. I just thought there were parts that could have been better. Like I, I do think it was a good movie for sure. But I, I don't know. I'm not surprised it wasn't nominated for Best Picture. So, yeah. one that I, I'm glad to see on this list, uh, Inside Out. Oh, uh, yes. I'm not the biggest fan of that film. Like a lot of people have been. They were talking about as possible Best Picture contender. Like mm. following up up in terms of Pixar mm. elevating their status and getting. Yeah, moving out of best animated. Uh, but yeah, I think that is a fantastically well-told story just because of the way it tackles sort of very hard psychological concepts and very adult things like depression, mm-hmm. but tells them in a really child-friendly and human way that's, you know, it is really powerful. Like, it's it seems very well thought out in its structure and how all of that relates to the actual human brain. It's it's a very impressive script, and I'm glad that it's getting recognized here. Yeah, for this, just as a premise for a movie, having like independent physical manifestations of different feelings live inside your brain. Yes, it's already a high concept film, and I thought the screenplay just made it seamless. Like you didn't even mm-hmm. think about it. Like it, you 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 took it. And it, was, it made total sense. Yeah, it made absolute sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and especially like it's it's being used in like lower um elementary school and preschool classes to help talk about feelings and um mental health which i think is like a big thing for an animated movie to be able to do and to touch on and i watched it i loved it it was like one of my favorite movies that i saw this year even though it is an animated film just because it was so creative just how each of these emotions like takes over like completely and um especially at the end there have been like 
screenshots of like the ending where like the you can see like inside the mom and the dad's head and they're being mm-hmm. run by different characters <laughs> so i thought that was cool too and like another little slice so see i don't, I don't think there's a huge distinction between animated and non-animated mm-hmm. movies because you said it's one of your favorite animated movies but i mean up and wally are and even yeah. uh what's it called fantastic mr fox are three of my favorite movies of all time it's like it, they're awesome a well-animated movie is still just a good movie i mean if you don't cry during the first 20 minutes of up you're probably already dead or you'll yeah just never have a meaningful part of existence (laughs) yeah i have said in the past that probably the best evil orwellian dystopian movie made of the past decade is the lego movie like it's exceptionally well told how it looks at both creativity and the oppressiveness of you know president business and all of his mean adult concepts and i i was if we're going to turn this back a full year, I'm still kind of mad that got snubbed. <laughs> Even a best animated nomination because like that film is exceptionally written in the way, again, it's tackling a very adult topic, but in a way that kids can understand, but, you know, adults still appreciate and can get at the underlying notions. Well, I think there's something about animation that lets people kind of let down their guard because mm-hmm. you access like that childish part of your brain. Like, well, I was scared of this as a kid. And when you put, a Lego in front of you instead of, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, you can do a totally different story. Because, like, Toy Story, if it was a live-action film, it probably wouldn't have the same effect. It would just be like, oh, look, there are toys that are, like, oh, they're flopping down the street and trying to help each other. But when it's animated, it just takes a whole other life. So. And they teach you beautiful lessons, too. Um, I would say it, it, this might be Spotlight, but I think it's a toss-up between Inside Out and Spotlight for this award. I I think Spotlight will probably end up getting screenplay because, as I said, it's so effective at telling this you know real-life story uh, and keeping it paced with a nice escalation of you know kind of scale and intimidation because. You know, when they first start investigating uh, this scandal, it starts as just a local Boston thing. But slowly but surely, they unveil the full scale of, you know, sort of what the church had been covering up. And then they combine it with like, well, you know, they're coming from the Boston area. A lot of them have personal Catholic connections. Right. And it's I think the screenplay is what really shines from that film uh, just because it would be so easy to tell a story about journalism and make it seem boring or preachy. But right. it does it hits it at just that right spot. Right. So and I think if it does end up, you know, if the voting block decides that they are tired of spotlight and they're not going to give it a best picture, this is probably where you reward that movie. Because, again, it's probably going to get True. beaten up in supporting actor by Stallone. So that seems like the token award you give a movie like that. Yeah, I thought spotlight. The screenplay was brilliant because. I am not a fan of most journalism movies because it's sort of glorifying the profession and it, it's usually, I don't know, it's it's the closest comparison I can make with this movie is obviously All the President's Men back in 78, I think it was, with Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford uncovering Watergate. Um, but uh, what this movie has going for it is that it's not a fictional story. So it's not like... There was some uh, Russell Crowe movie that came out a few years ago that was just a journalistic nightmare. It was like a really bad movie. Um, but I think Spotlight is like one of the finest examples of like how to depict a sort of journalistic account and like investigation into a story 
without it ever seeming like exploitative or like glorifying it too much it's really like respectful i think the whole conflict sensitive reporting thing that they have to take care of as far as like dealing with sexual assault victims is really really um it's a really delicate balance as far as writing it but um early on there's a person who it's called State of Play or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sorry. you guessed it. <laughs> yeah, I just had to Google Russell Crowe journalism, and I was kind of afraid I, what I, that would turn up. That's really funny. Uh, my old it. journalism professor made us watch that like three times, and it was like, you guys got to be like Russell Crowe. It's like, this is a terrible <laughs> movie. I You're don't like, want to be anything like not. this. <laughs> was, um, did it improve with each viewing? <laughs> no. Fictional journalistic movies never work. It's only the ones that are like true stories that are actually any good. Anyway, what I was trying to say early on in Spotlight, they have the perspective of a sexual assault victim, like someone who was actually like molested by a priest. And it shows you like the other side, not just this investigative journalism team, but someone who is like physically dealing with what they're reporting on. And he has this line in there that's just like devastating. He's like, when this happens, you're not just shattered you're not just broken physically you're also broken spiritually like your faith is just broken after that yeah yeah i think again spotlight is probably going to take that category just because yeah you're taking a story like that and i agree most journalistic stories can come off preachy very easily as much as i love aaron sorkin that's probably the number one problem i have with the newsroom is that that is just 2020 hindsight. The, the newsroom show. is very entertaining, but it's, it's very silly. I know. I love the newsroom, but the newsroom has some real dumb stuff in it. It's, it is so hyper, you know, self-important and, mm-hmm. you know, glorifying this profession. And, yeah, Spotlight does a really good job of looking at, you know, why journalism, you know, can have downsides. Like if the wrong person gets a hold of the story and takes it to the press, that can cause more damage than, you know, it not getting out at all. It's 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 very well told. Uh, so do you want to go ahead and move into adapted screenplay? Yeah, I'm going to say Spotlight's going to take that one mm-hmm. if not Inside Out. I'm yeah. Probably Inside Out's not going to get it. No, that'll but... probably take the animated, though. Yeah. Sure. yeah, let's move to adapted screenplay. Yeah, so in adapted screenplay, we have The Big Short, Brooklyn, Carol, The Martian, and Room. Uh, I think The Big Short is probably the early favorite in this because as i mentioned that movie is just explaining the 2008 financial crisis it's going into hard detail about these very complicated economic terms how our economy fell apart saying it's very accessible it's very accessible i can't uh, say i've ever understood the housing market collapse prior to seeing <laughs> I've, I've tried a few times like we watched documentaries in high school saying like here's how this happened but it wasn't until the big short and Again, real thing that happens in this movie, Margot Robbie in a bathtub explaining what a subprime loan is. And I was like, <laughs> okay. There's also a m- moment where Selena Gomez just tells you about the stock betting market. Yeah. Like, it's it's breaks the fourth wall in a fun but also It's really, really way. charming. Like, I've, yeah. They've really nothing but good things to say about The Big Short. In terms of writing, I think there are other problems with The Big Short. But that part of it is worthy of an Oscar. Um, I can't speak at length on Brooklyn, Carol, nor Room. Yeah, I can't speak on Brooklyn or Carol. Yeah, having read the book Room, I think, like I mentioned before, like it's a very 
delicate story to tell because it is it has these undertones of like this woman was captured and like she's been through so much and the journey that they have to go through like readapting to the to the world again is like so dramatic and that's like half the story and so I I feel like if that doesn't win best picture that'll take this one yeah I I as much as I love room I think best actress is the highest it can strive for an award here you know it's probably I don't know if it would be deserved because again the big short while I don't love it as a movie I think as a script it you know fills its job a bit better because one issue I do have with room is the escape sequence which is really the climax of the film happens dead center and them rehabituating to the outside world while it is engaging it does almost feel like an afterthought because you know so much of the drama has been building to this one moment and what happens afterwards you know the pace is maybe a little bit off yeah uh, well, that is also what happens in the book though that's why i think it because when i first read the book i was kind of surprised because the climax was directly in the center but i think a lot of the story is about you know how would you even adapt to life if you had to live in a a box basically for seven years and then you had to readapt and I think that's also part of the story but I I agree that's not the most riveting part by any means yeah so Uh, Emerson so having read The Martian how do you think that adaptation how do you think it translated it was an excellent adaptation it was basically the movie that the book deserved I don't think they left much of anything of significance out it was all there basically um great book i recommend it it's super fun um it maintains all the humor i think one problem i had as a just personal circumstance but i knew matt damon was going to be cast as uh the main character whose name escapes me so oh, uh... i read the book picturing matt damon <laughs> ah, that helps sometimes yeah yeah, so I think I'm going to stick with the big short to probably take that category, maybe room. I'll uh, give that. So I think the last major category that I haven't really touched on today, uh, best director. Uh, right. Yeah. So in this, we have Adam McKay for the big short, uh, George Miller for Mad Max Fury Road, Alexander G. Inaritu for The Revenant, uh, Lenny, Lenny Abramson for Room, and Tom McCarthy for Spotlight. And I think this is... As I said at the start of the show, like I'm aggravated that Creed didn't get more attention, and I think Coogler being snubbed here is the most egregious part of that, because there are sequences in Creed that are not just emotionally captivating, but functionally, they will blow your mind. There are two, maybe even three boxing sequences that he handles with a single tracking shot, and... It doesn't just feel like... A, it doesn't feel gimmicky at all. It's like, no, this is how you would this is how it would feel to be in one of these matches. This is a natural flow and it's intimate and personal and, oh, it's so good. The The boxing in the movie was so good that it, it it's what people were expecting with the Manning Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather fight. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't exist in real life. Like it's only that good in movies. Box, boxing movies ruin the sport of boxing because they does. just set too high of an expectation. Yeah, it's not like a football movie where it's like, oh, you know they're going to get the Hail Mary touchdown <laughs> as time expires. It's yeah. like, oh, who's going to win? And in every Rocky movie, I mean, the outcomes are always different. I mean, you can only win, lose, or tie, but mm-hmm. every time it's exciting. It's like, whoa, that's that's cool. Yeah. And they did a great job with it. And the final fight was, yeah, 
Like, I don't like when cameras spin. I've ranted about whatever his face is from The Revenant enough. Um, <laughs> I Craig doesn't stand. like Emmanuel Lubezki when he's working with Alejandro Gonzalez and Uritu. So as we mentioned earlier, he didn't like Birdman. He didn't like The Revenant. But he did like Children of Men and Gravity. Yeah. So he likes Alfonso Cuaron. Sure. That's another Mexican director. Okay. Yeah, I know. Those were great moves. I don't know. In Uritu, it's just, for me, I'll keep it brief. <laughs> I'll keep it brief. If I become an asshole, just hit me, Emerson. Um, it's he just calls so much attention to the camera, like he's in your face with it all the time. Like, look at how great this shot is that I have created, and like the shot we we did a whole podcast on this the other day with Mira Powell, who's one of our writers. She loved the movie. I was not the biggest fan. I will say I do like the Revenant. It's a good movie. I think people should see it because it's 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 a good movie, but. Just the camera work in it, it just, the, sh- the shot that bugs me the most is Leo's lying down, you know, as his life's gone to hell, and <laughs> the camera gets so close to his face that his breath starts to fog up the camera lens, oh. and it just stays there, and he just keeps breathing on it, and it just snaps you back into reality, like, oh, we're watching a movie, because for a while, it's like, okay, we're going through this with Leo, you know, like, oh, the bear got him, and he's hurt. What's he going to do? Then it's just a movie. And mm. then he does the same exact gimmick twice more, and it's ridiculous. That's, that's kind of fair. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, that's kind of fair. Like, I, I feel like I would feel the same if that if I was watching that. And, see, it, and it when you watch for it, like, if you see it now, yeah. you haven't seen it yet. No. Just watch for the camera work. Because, like, there are scenes where it's brilliant. Like, the first fight scene, there's a part where the camera's tracking a guy on a horse. That guy gets shot. The camera falls with him. Someone runs past it, and the camera follows him. He gets shot. Someone runs from left to the right across the screen, goes with him until he gets shot. Then someone runs into a building where the camera finally stops. That was masterful. It's like, wow, that was great. But he does it every single scene, and it's just without pause. It's There's no downtime, and when there is downtime, it's just, look at this beautiful landscape. <laughs> That's 40 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I think my issues with The Revenant are mostly pacing-based, because, yeah, you have these incredible action sequences that are, are really one of a kind, but they are broken up by so much of just DiCaprio going around the uh, Canadian tundra freezing himself uh having to scar various parts of his body like it it intercuts between it being a very fast you know heart-stopping movie to these very kind of i wouldn't say dull but more just sort of tranquil survival moments yeah that makes for a a weird a weird watch i think i i probably like the movie as a whole a bit more than you do like i would imagine yeah (laughs) I I never felt like I was being called to see the camera as often. I didn't have those. I didn't notice the fog or anything like that. It'll be interesting if I go, go back. In, watch it when you're paying attention to the camera work. Mm. See if it changes your opinion, because it's just so obvious. Because my brother's told that to me before Birdman. It's like mm. I can't stand just that it's calling attention to itself. And in The Revenant, the camera is the main character. Like, I'd be more surprised if Leo got an Oscar than if the camera got... Inuritu's probably going to accept the award for best actor if Leo wins it. He'll be like, well, thank you, my camera work was amazing. (laughs) Camera and the bear. Yeah. (laughs) The bear will be holding his hand, and yeah, it's... It just, it just feels like a windshield because, I mean, every piece of sweat ends up on the camera lens. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, there's some blood on the camera mm-hmm. lens, and here's a nice drool from Thomas Hardy. And It's definitely a distinct style. It's, oh, yeah. It's yeah. A, probably an acquired taste in, in movie for sure. 
yeah, I get the sense Inaritu made the Revenant because he just wanted to make anyone else who has ever made a Western look like the biggest pansy in the world. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, he took the film that everyone from the golden age of Westerns had in their head and was trying it to use illusion and trickery to make happen on screen. He just went out to the woods and did it and filmed it. But like, he goes too far. I don't think that's well, my problem. And I, he goes I over like the cliff. That he, I like that he went over the cliff. Much I like in like the commercial. I like that he goes nuts with it. Leo goes over the cliff. Him uh, and a horse. Mark? Well, watch the commercial. You know the whole oh. movie. It's it's all there. It's all there. I don't think anyone was going to the Revenant for the plot of the Revenant. Like, there's not much story Should there be. to be had. Eh. You're so you're saying the plot is irrelevant in a movie that's nominated for best picture. Well, I mean, it's not being nominated for best screenplay. Like. I think you can definitely have a movie that has exceptional direction, a great performance, but the story isn't really a central part of it. Like, like we can, we can even go back to something like Mad Max. Like that's another very basic, you know, conflict that's being told there. It's just a back and forth. But because of the way it's told, you know, that's not really something that you're going to be all that, uh, you know, it's not going to be something you care about. See, Mad Max is advertised as an action movie. That's mm. the difference. And I feel like they're very it's... much marketing The Revenant as like, yeah, this is... They are almost marketing it as an action picture, which I take some offense to, but uh, it's all they're selling the it on director. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, like, it's like a commercial for a bad comedy. They show every funny part, like a bad comedy. <laughs> you go, oh, okay, it's, I've seen all this before. It's, I have a feeling I'll like The Revenant more if I see it again because I'll, I'll know the whole picture mm-hmm. and won't be wanting to be surprised. Yeah. But... For Mad Max, for me, I mean, it's it's on another level. It it really is. Like, I'm glad that Abramson got nominated for Room because he does an incredible job, again, shooting this 10 by 10 shed for a solid hour and giving you the perspective of a child, seeing every angle and making it feel so much larger than mm-hmm. it really is. And, you know, there's a point at the end of the film where they go back to that cabin and you realize just how tiny it was the whole time and it's absolutely it's perfect it's fantastically done but yeah you really can't touch mad max in this category because hot damn does that movie have some direction (laughs) yeah i mean this is the movie he wanted to make since the 80s and i read a bit about mad max a while ago the reason thunderdome because the second half i mean have you guys seen it beyond thunderdome uh uh, parts if okay. I have the second half sucks if we're being honest it it turns into a Peter Pan ripoff it's what? he goes to find the lost children and then leads them to safety and it's it's not good but the reason behind that is because mad uh, not Mad Max sorry George Miller's location scout who was one of his best friends actually died in a helicopter crash while they were filming that movie and so he pretty much gave up control on it and he didn't make another Mad Max until he thought the technology was ready for it and they shot this in the middle of the desert. Like, the special effects they do in it are, like, the mountains. They're imperceivable. Yeah. yeah. But if you watch it, like, the mountains aren't there. Everything they shot is just an open desert. And they oh. made all the mountains, all that kind of thing. Like, the canyon, they built that. Like, there were a few rocks, and they built this, and it's, like, one of the main parts of the movie. But they hired, like, actual like the top motocross riders in the world to scale the, well, I guess there were sand, like big sand dunes, but they had to actually ride down those in person. All of the effects in that are real. Mm-hmm. The thing that got me the most in the first scene when Max's car gets flipped, do you know why it flips like 15 times? Why? 
They're like, you, you guys feel like making a world record? <laughs> <laughs> so they built, they specially built a car that upon impact, there's like a pneumatic foot in it that flips the car. And so they set the world record for the biggest car flip in the world, mm-hmm. just in the first scene. And that's what it opens with. I, I expect at the end of the show, when you tally it up, Mad Max is probably going to walk away with the highest number of trophies because I, I can't see it doing anything less than a total sweep of technical. See, I'm and, afraid personally that it's going to get left. I'm afraid it's going to be nominated for everything and then not win anything. I, I don't see what beats it in a lot of you know the smaller technical categories. I mean, like, visual effects and sound editing, it is up against The Martian, The Revenant, mm, and yeah. uh, some indie movie called Star Wars, The Force Awakens. I, I know. <laughs> I've never heard, heard of it. I, I will say the sound editing in The Revenant was perfect. Like, I've never left a movie and just been like, did you hear that movie? Like, that, that was yeah. insane. And you were saying the other day, you thought yeah, Star I'm, Wars I'm, was great. I never think of sound mixing or am actively like appreciating sound editing as it's happening like I'm in the movie theater but something about Star Wars there was just like hearing the winds sweep over mm. Jakku and Love it. BB-8 beeping you know there's a lot going on and I really liked it yeah I think the sound design in Star Wars is it's fantastic you know it takes you to that you know a place far far away it's so immersive and just so interesting. But Mad Max, I feel everything it's doing, you know, on a technical level. And you also have to remember who's voting on these awards because old people. It's, it's a lot of old people who probably don't know what these really mean. My grandma hated True. Mad Max. Yeah. She called it pathetic and I almost cried. Yeah, but I feel like old yeah. movie people are going to see Mad Max and say like, well, I appreciate this because yeah. It's an old franchise, and they actually went out and did it. So, well, like the polecat scenes with the guys on the cars. That oh yeah, go back and forth. They filmed all of that at like ninety miles an hour. The guy they filmed that in the desert. Wow. Like, it's insane. It's all real. How can a movie that just has a guy standing on a moving car shredding the hell out of a flamethrower guitar <laughs> not get an award for best sound? Because that's the best sound I heard all year. That's true. It, yeah, it's a statistical fact. Actually, jumping over, I'm kind of surprised. Uh, I want to say that guy's name, Junkie XL, the guy who did the score for Mad Max, like that did not get a uh, music nomination. Like I, that's another. Really? That's a yeah, part of it that I original score. I expected to to see in that category, and instead was you know we'll just give it to John Williams again because why not? I love movie scores. I listen to them all the time, and. For whatever reason, this I feel like a lot of my friends when we watch this one, nobody really cares about this one. But I love it's been around. Yeah, I I love original scores and because I listen to them all the time. And I think a lot of times the the biggest ones that win that are dramas, dramas or like high action. Like like the first thing that comes to mind is like I don't even know if it won, but just a great score is the Perfect Storm. That's like an incredible score. So. Well, the thing about Mad Max's score is it sounds like it's coming from nowhere. Then the camera pans over and there's 20 people playing drums on a moving car oh, yeah. with a dude with a flamethrower guitar in front. It's like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. They, they didn't have to do that. They could have just had a scene where there's music. In and the back. There's yeah. people like There's something the really cars. silly about the score there where it was like even while the caravan was slowing down, the people like banging on the drums were like, gung, gung, gung. <laughs> It just sets the tone because you're in, like, unlike the Revenant, you're sucked in. Like, okay, they're they're about to go kill someone. You know, it's like fair. I 
Mad Max was very, it's an intuitive movie where you can go to the bathroom, you can go get popcorn, you can show up 15 minutes late and know exactly what's going on because it's a chase and then a race and it's brilliantly done. So I guess if we close this on any um, remark, it's that Mad Max is excellent, but it's also in the categories it's most likely to win. It's up against Star Wars and The Revenant and The Martian. Mm-hmm. So who's to say? I I think in technical, Mad Max still has it, uh, but I could see Star Wars pulling it out because a lot of these categories, it's like, well, visual effects – that just means the most stuff on screen, and you can definitely give that award to Star Wars. There were a lot of TIE fighters in that movie. That Dude, those are all computer effects, though. Like, exactly. It's cool, but... And and that's how I think a lot of people see that category. It's like, well... Because didn't the... Uh, I want to see Peter Jackson's Hobbits won a few of those awards, and like those don't even look all that good. There's just a lot of visual effects on screen. It's an award for most effects. I will say... Mad Max has the disadvantage. It was released in pretty early. May. That was like yeah. in April, May ish. Yeah, so it's out of people's minds. And th- there's a reason The Revenant came out this week. It's the so reason a lot of these well, like, they all Oscar come out on movies. like Christmas. Yeah, it's because the Academy has attention deficit disorder. Yeah, <laughs> The Revenant came out this week. People That's are gonna go, "Oh, recent. I just saw The Revenant. That was good," and they're gonna forget, like, "Oh, but Mad Max was great." You know, it's all strategic. But, Oh, well, yes. Can you guys each say what your number one movie was this year? Room. From the list or just? Just in general from what you saw. I, I'm i going to say The Danish Girl. I really liked it. Cool. I'm going to say Going Clear, which wasn't nominated for Best Documentary. Oh, oh yeah. Man. That was surprising. And that's a bummer. That's why I don't care about the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Closing thoughts? Uh, fuck the Oscars. Creed was not. Yeah, made fuck the Oscars. Oscars. <laughs> yeah. That's what we say. <laughs> um, you should all go watch the documentary on Netflix called "And the Oscar Goes To" because it basically just it talks about like it talks to people who've won Oscars and how they feel, and that's really cool. But then it also talks to people who help decide who wins Oscars, and they're basically like, yeah, I mean. We're just humans, and we don't really know. We just kind of do what we think is kind of best. And I'm like, mm, often wrong, but okay. <laughs> I'd just like to point out that the Oregonian had an article today saying that Disney is in contact with TCU's quarterback to make a life story about him because he led TCU against the Oregon Ducks <gasps> No. in the comeback of all oh, comebacks, and that might actually happen. So the same company that made Star Wars is looking at making Oregon its, it, to be honest, they're going to make Oregon its bitch. So. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I thought for a long time that Oregon, so many of our seasons, we play out like the villain of a bad sports movie. Like, we're, not, we're never the underdogs. We always have the advantage, and the plucky other team gets the victory. Like, well, he, what's his name? I, sports I, movie I, gets I nominated for an Oscar. It. Bram Kohlhausen. So apparently he was the backup quarterback like all his life. Somehow he got a scholarship at junior college somewhere. And then the day before the big, or like the week of the big game, the star All-American goes, you know, yep. gets in a bar fight with a cop. <laughs> Smart cop. move. Um, and then <sighs> his dad dies a few weeks before the game or months. And no, do not vote for The Revenant on my computer. <laughs> um, what are you doing? And yeah. It's, it's your it's, story. I'm I'm at a loss for words because it's it's gonna happen. <laughs> so.
So let's hope that doesn't. Cause we don't I love that. being made the butt of the joke. It's really fun. That was a sad, sad game to watch. And that just makes me even sadder knowing that Disney's going to profit off of our <laughs> demise. <laughs> well, Disney, they did, why? They did give us the ducks. So mm. I guess it's time we came oh, back. Oh, God. <laughs> That's true. We, <laughs> <laughs> we have no leverage over Disney anymore. <laughs> Damn it. All right. That was our overview of the 2016 Oscar nominations. We'll probably have another episode later on once the Academy Awards happen. Um, I'm Emerson Malone. I'm Chris Berg. I'm Jordan Brown. I'm Brayden. Psych. I'm Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Craig Wright. <laughs> Um, you can find more of our work and podcasts at dailyemerald.com. Bye.